Amen. Thank you all much. Greatly enjoyed that. Take your Bibles, if you would. Join us in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. We'll be focusing today on verse number 4. Verse 4. As you follow along, we'll make some references back to some uh, notes previously in Psalm 23. But today we look at the psalm that talks about the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of of the shadow of death. Surely, uh, that is a strange place, some would say, and uh, we do not find ourselves uh, enjoying living usually in valleys. And when I say living in valleys, I'm talking about those valleys that bring us battles and calls for us that we have concern there. We'd rather be living on what we'd consider a mountaintop. Over the last couple of weeks now, we've been looking in the previous verse or two. First of all, we looked at uh, there uh, the restoration. It said, He restoreth my soul. So uh, again, following that, we looked at the passage that describes uh, what I would call the route. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, and then also for His name's sake. Let me encourage you to know that when God leads you according to His Word, whether you find it in the written Word or He is doing that spontaneously by His Spirit, where He leads you, He'll keep you. Secondly, it is always for our good, but secondly, more so for His glory. And as we look today, we look at uh, what I'll just consider uh, the resolve. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, as we think about the subject matter of the valley of the shadow of death, He is not necessarily carrying us to a place where we stay or might carrying us to a place where we live each day. But notice the word, and we'll call attention to that even more so in the next few minutes. He says there that He carries us through the valley of the shadow of death. In the Bible now, there are many valleys that are listed. A couple of three of those that I've jotted down in my notes are, Joshua talked about the valley of calamity. In Psalm 84, we see the valley of weeping. Hosea would carry us to the valley of trouble. And as you begin to see in your reading prayerfully as you follow along later, you'll decide and discover as well there are many, many more valleys. Some of you quite possibly would have a valley that you have came through and described to us. But without time, we'll move on. But you think back as to how God enabled you to come through whatever fell your way. Now, as I look at this passage today, I want you to first look at that word I just spoke, the passage, okay? Uh, As I read it again, Yea, though I walk. Uh, If you remember Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, The Lord said, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sits uh, in the seat of the scornful. Now with this, I was uh, quoting that because of the word that is here, and that is walk. Uh, He did not say, yea, though I speed through the valley. He did not say, yea, though I ride. 
He did not say, yea, though I soar. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley. Now, with that in mind, as you think on the passage with me, uh, Samuel, uh, or let me say, yes, Samuel would give us the word, but David would say to Samuel once in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse number 3, David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But as truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but one step between me and death. Now think about it, ladies and gentlemen. This is... uh, Uh, David, the shepherd, uh, David, the anointed one, David, who would later be the crowned one, David, the best friend of the king's son, Jonathan. And now David and Jonathan are having a conversation, and he said concerning himself, you know your dad literally will not rest till he nails me to the wall. He said, and because of that, I'm living with a consciousness that there is but one step between me and death. You and I did not write that line most likely. We have never thought possibly that that seriously uh, or sincerely about our next step. But I like how David brought that down on on an easy level to understand. He didn't say within the next month I might face death. He didn't say within the next ten years I'm expecting to see death. David said there is but one step between me and death. Yes, our neighbors, yes, our community, as any other community in uh, the states as well as other continents, what we know is over the last year and a half we have been brought to through or we have been brought by, we have saw the urgency there that death brings. And with that, the psalmist gives me some assurance, yea, though I walk. Secondly, we see not only the passage, but look at the progress. Yea, though I walk through. Some of you are very glad that word through is there. I'm one of the someones. Why? Simply because we have not stopped here. We are not hanging around here. The reality is more so, he said, as I walk through, not as in leisure, not as run in fear. He said, I'm moving forward. I'm pressing forward. I'm reminded uh, there of... uh, One of my mother's uh, uncles, he lived to be in his late 90s, and he lived down on the Altamaha River out from Gardai, there where my grandparents are buried. And Debbie's dad and I were there laying some carpet one day many years ago. And as Uncle Charlie was uh, alive, he talked about the first time he had driven uh, a truck that had an automatic transmission. And he talked about those letters, you know, P and and those R, and then he had the F. And he talked about getting in that thing and pulling that stick down till it got to the F for fast. And I thought, man, Uncle Charlie, you got it, brother. You're living, you're living where many people are. Let me tell you something about the process David's describing. It doesn't always come out fast. 
It might be something that is lingering for a spell, but friend, it is a process. Jesus, it says in Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And if you remember the rest of that text, it lasted 40 days and 40 nights. But you know what? He was passing through. Aren't you glad today the Lord breaks, breaks this down to where we can understand what He is giving us? I am so, I am so encouraged by the fact that uh, where I've seen many people one week, uh, thank God for the next week, they seem to be back on the up rather than the out. And the reality is, folks, uh, all of us are passing through something. Yea, though I walk, David said. Yea, though I walk through, David said. And friend, that's encouraging greatly there as we progress or as we make our progress. So we've seen the passage. We have saw the process. Think about the place there for a moment. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you have ever been scared by a shadow? Probably all of us, if we would remember that, or if we would admit that, I noted, I noted in my notes there that shadows can be scarier than the real thing. Yes, if you don't believe that, uh, you get up in the middle of the night and, and you see a shadow of something. Yes, you know, sometimes it's not the reality of what is there or has been there, but uh, many times it's that little thing that brings our attention to the greater things, the reality of the valley. While we must from time to time journey through dry, harsh places in our spiritual journey, it's good to remember that those places are not our home. You know, when I think about being sick or ill, you know, uh, someone talks about being in the hospital. Well, how long did you stay? And sometimes we, uh, we take note that uh, something may be quick, however, something may linger. And as I begin to, uh, comp- uh, when I begin to concentrate on the valley of the shadow of death, I'm, I'm more so thinking about how death surrounds us sometimes. And as a result of that, it sort of casts uh, a shadow or cast an image. No, not that I can see, but I'm very well aware that where I stand right now in the last 10 or 12 days, uh, I've stood over three bodies that would have sat right there in front of me. And I tell you, there's some irony in that. The first one was about 12, 13 days ago. He was 37 years old. The second one was Friday. She was 54 years old. You add that together and the man I stood before yesterday was 91 years old. And I'm saying all of that to say we've been around the valleys of the shadows. And the, the, the thing that I want to just draw to my attention there is uh, easily could we not say that that is just where we live, so to speak. The place, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not only the reality of death, but think about the, uh, the reality of the valley, but think about the reasons uh, for those valleys. Sometimes they can be self-inflicted, can they not? It could be, as I think of a reason for the valley there, it could be unconfessed sin. Sin causes great problems. 
I'm not saying that every valley we go through is because uh, that there's some unconfessed sin in our life. Please don't go away today thinking that the pastor said that everybody who's going through a valley is a deep, great sinner. No, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that sometimes uh, it can be drawn back or carried back uh, to a place where we've not dealt with sin properly. Well, not only is uh, one of the reasons for uh, the valley unconfessed sin, but it could be unconditioned hearts. Uh, Yes, God, the omniscient one, knows full well who we are. He knows where we are. He knows our thoughts and the imaginations of our heart. And therefore, He looks at us and He's desiring that we be like Him. And as a result of that, sometimes He just pulls on our heartstrings. And He gets our heart back where it should be or headed in the direction that He would desire. The reality of the valley and the reasons for the valley. Unconfessed sin, unconditioned hearts. And I put in my notes this morning as I came back to the building early, I put in my notes, unexpected circumstances. I've said this for many years and I have to continue to believe it. We're all only one phone call away from a lot of heartbreak. And when your phone rings or when their phone rings uh, and it tells us something that has happened in our family or our neighbor's family, what we discover is we can be, in, we can be quickly immersed into a valley. And we find ourselves after that trying to sometimes sort our way back out. And as a result of that, the Lord says no. He said, remember this, I'm with you. The place, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadows cannot hurt you. But I promise you, shadows can cause you to hurt yourself. And I say that with uh, sincerity, not desiring that any of us, or not diminishing the fact that any of you have went through something that was not what God would intend The great words of Scripture that I quote out of the Old Testament, one of the prophets would say this, This too shall pass. Yes, if you've ever been deeply immersed in some trouble, and when I say trouble, I'm talking about trouble of spirit, I'm talking about trouble of heart, and you have been deeply engaged in thoughts or deeds in that direction, and you were thinking, oh, we'll never get through this. Just take the word of the prophet, this too shall pass. See, we think of the passage, I walk. We think of the place through the valley of the shadow of death. Think of the process through, don't let me neglect that. But now look at the peace, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, peace that God can give. The Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I believe it is, how to have peace with God. The Scripture also tells us how to know the peace of God there in Paul's epistles. And now we're seeing that he says there, there is no reason to fear when you're passing through the valley of the shadow of death. I think of the essence of fear. Essence meaning core, the spirit or the soul. And truly, we can engage our minds to know that most times when there's an absence of fear or the essence of fear that is mentioned there, we can always draw it back there to where our 
being is having a lack of faith. Now, please don't misunderstand me again. I'm not saying that if you had enough faith that all of your valleys would pass away. You pray diligently for something or someone. So do I. And maybe God says no. Maybe God says not now. Maybe God would even conclude you to know not ever. But you know, we can face things through, through faith rather than fear. So the essence of fear is a lack of faith. The absence of fear. Last week in our small group Bible study that we're doing uh, in the class that I lead on Sunday morning at 10, we have been studying through the book of 1 John. Matter of fact, we finished that book this morning. But uh, I think it was last week when we looked at the passage in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, great part of my life, early life, I lived in much fear. You know, you say, well, why were you so fearful? It was because I was not strong in my faith, literally, seriously. And you know, when I think of that, uh, even as a young pastor, I was somewhat fearful to a degree. But yet, as God allowed us to work through that in His Word, uh, gave us the grace and peace to become the overcomers that He had already claimed us to be. So the absence of, of fear. Yes, I pray that is where we're living. But let me remind you of one other thing about fear, and that is the author of fear. Paul would tell Timothy, Timothy, yes, was a disciple of Paul in a large degree. He was a learner. Paul was a great teacher. Paul would write him one day and he would say, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that young, timid preacher, if you notice, he would embrace the realities of what Paul would give him, and then he would be able to face those things before him. And friend, I want to leave that with you this morning on this point too. And that is, God doesn't give us fear. He might cause us uh, there to respect Him to a degree that we call it a holy fear, but it is not one of those cringing effects that keeps us awake uh, at night and just, and you know, just beside ourselves. I am not a dreamer. I, I when I say that, I'm talking about in my sleep. I'm not a dreamer. Very seldom does that happen. One night this week, I say it uh, very timidly. One night this week, uh, my back gave me so much trouble, I had to get up and sleep in the recliner. And as I was doing that, literally somebody tried to get me. They did. And I couldn't get awake. And I began to holler, Debbie, Debbie. Almost gave her a heart attack. She thought somebody or something had happened. She said, I thought you was having a stroke. No, honey, it was just a bad dream. Friend, you know, aren't we glad that sometimes, or might I say I'm glad sometimes, it's just the shadow of death and not the real thing? Or it's just a dream and not a reality? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
Do you know God has given us great reason not to be fearful? God has given us all we need to know about the, the, uh, about the here and the after, that we should be able to take whatever comes our way, which reminds me of the presence. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Boy, I can never get over the fact to tell you that we need Him. I remind you that the first sentence in the psalm, Psalm 23, said, The Lord is my shepherd. If you do not have that confidence this morning, this particular part of this psalm might not be meaningful to you. And the reason is because you can't call Him your shepherd. You might call Jesus a shepherd. You might call Jesus as her shepherd. But can we be as David when he said, He is my shepherd. And now in this psalm, when he said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In other words, Lord, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm going through, hey, Jesus, thank you for being there. All oh, the strange places that you and I could imagine, we hope we would never be, but yet to know God in the person of Jesus is with us. Matthew 28, verse 20 said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Some translations, and that would say, even unto the end of the age, I'm with you always. Therefore, folks, I'm looking at you now, and I'm already thinking of what you do as a profession, where you work, where you labor, and some of the things concerning that that could be fearful. But remember this, every time we find ourselves, uh, whatever the predicament might be, there at least is one other person in there with us, and that is Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, He it is that goeth before thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I'm reminded of a guy that I found in Scripture. He had received a great promotion. Now, most people love promotions, do they not? Because sometimes a promotion will give you a pay raise. But also, sometimes a promotion will bring you much greater responsibility. The guy that I'm thinking about that got such a great promotion is Joshua. Joshua was given the task that Moses had had for 40 years. Joshua would then be given time alone with the Lord. And if you don't know what I mean, go home and read Joshua chapter 1. And the Lord would tell him how to keep his focus. Why? To keep his focus. And part of that I'm trying to get across to you is to keep the Lord first. As I'm studying and thinking about his presence, I was reminded this morning about those three Hebrew friends that Daniel had, and they found themselves in a fiery furnace. You know, the king got up the next morning and said, What's this I see? He said, I don't just see three men in there walking around. First of all, the miracle was there's walking around. He said, The greater miracle is I see four. 
And he said, that fourth one is likened to the Son of God. Now, friend, I have great comfort to know that what Matthew 28 and verse 20 gives me about being with us to the end of the age, I have a tendency to believe that that means he'll be with us in a fiery furnace. And when David happened to find himself in a den of lions, and those lions ceased to be hungry, I find that God was with him there. It is comforting to know, folks, that where we are or where they are, and if you're called along beside them, that the Lord is there. I hope you find great, great confidence today in knowing that where you are, He is. Yesterday in Brother Frank's funeral, I was reminded of what his son had told me. He said the other morning, which was early Wednesday morning, he said when Dad died, he said, I looked at my watch or the clock there, and he said it said 316. And he said, you know, the first thing to my mind was John 316. You think God don't have a sense of humor? You think God's not pleased to be in small things? Friend, let me tell you something about God. He is with you wherever you are, and He always will be. Brings me to the part of the text that talks about the protection. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. I will not explain that much, but I will explain it from, the, from this point, and that is David was writing from things he was very familiar with. David was a shepherd. We remember that. David did kill a lion, and he talked about killing a bear. And he killed a giant, matter of fact, before he ever got the crown as king. But David brings something out of his out of his background now and tells us that we have with us the rod and the staff. Now, preacher, what do you think there is for us to know there? And that is this, wherever we are, God has, God has given us the equipment to face the task that's before us. Let me give you closing today the provision. He said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, I would say to you today that we don't have a rod and staff, literally. But I tell you, we do have the Word of God. We have the precious Spirit of God. We have the assurance of the work of the Son of God. And there, because of that, I still think we can have comfort today, can we? Yes. Even Paul said in answering some questions about death, he said, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Three things about valleys. First of all, they're unavoidable. As a natural, as the natural steps of life, folks, there's going to be some of those experiences. They're unavoidable. Secondly, they're unpredictable. Whether, whether it's like the disciples catching themselves in a storm on the Sea of Galilee overnight, waking Jesus up from the back of the boat, hey, do you care, that, do you care not that we perish? They're first of all unavoidable. Secondly, they're unpredictable. Thirdly, they can be impartial. 
Matthew 5.45 said, He maketh His sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. There really isn't anybody I can say today that deserves a valley more than I do. But I recognize that this is not a multiple choice question. The Lord allows this to happen or allows us to pass through these times that we become better people and not bitter people. Yes, it's a challenge. We have a challenge before us, church. And that is because of what many of our people and we've went through with them, we have a challenge. Similar to what we find here when David would say, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. As you bow your heads with me today, could I ask you, is it possible in our lack of understanding of the realities of what is surrounding us, people who are suffering, is it possible God's going to use this word today, verse 4, that maybe in a course of conversation this week, ministering to somebody, God might lead you to share that with them. Said, so let me remind you what the Lord said. Maybe you're here today and you're really burdened. Might be just a prayer need. That's good. Maybe you're here today and you're under conviction of something you see, think, or feel. Hey, give it to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've just never trusted Jesus. You can't say, the Lord is my shepherd. Confess your sin to Him privately. And the Lord said, confess our faith in Him publicly if we have opportunity. Father, I do thank You. Lord, You're the provider. You're the sustainer. And Lord, I thank You that You are. Lord, this is a wonderful group of people that I minister to every day. But yet, Lord, remind us that there are those valley experiences that many of our people have gone through and still are. Those of us who are now on this side of ministering to them, that we can give them what they need. Bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together. Brother Mike will lead us in a song of invitation, song of commitment. And I trust you'll respond as God leads you as we sing together.